welcome back, everybody, to this episode of Drunk Bible Study Bonus Edition, the episode where we get to nerd out some more on the things that we read in today's episode. So today we're going to be looking at who this Daniel character is that's mentioned you mean along. Danelle? Oh, yeah, Danelle. Yeah. Danelle slash Daniel. I'm going to look at, we're going to talk about either possibility. Okay. Who's mentioned alongside Noah and Job in terms of like these very honorable men. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to be looking at these elbow pillows, <laughs> trying to get mm-hmm, to the bottom mm-hmm. of what that's all about. Uh, and then, Dedeker, what did you look into again? I looked into whitewashing, like actual whitewashing, not the practice of casting white people right. in a role that's not supposed to be a white person. Okay, yeah. Because yeah. that's not yeah. fun. Mm-mm. We don't like that. Right. This is a show about fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why don't I start us off? So this, this is a little bit Please. academic and nerdy here. But basically, from what I was able to find, I've found three potential options for who this Daniel is. Oh. Oh. So. Okay. The first option that we'll talk about is, is it Daniel? Is it actually Daniel of and the book of Daniel fame? Can you remind me who this Daniel is? Like, is he a prophet? Is he just a dude? Like, what's happening here? I'd say he's a prophet. We haven't gotten to him yet, okay. though. So that's why, so you're off the hook. You didn't forget about him. No. We just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. I would say his stories and his book is probably one of the more told to children stories, actually. Really? So I'm curious when we get there, if you find that you've heard any of those stories, but definitely a lot of his stories have been portrayed and told to me as a kid, as opposed to, you know, Ezekiel, who is not, who is not ever told to me as a kid. No, not as much. Not as much. Well, clearly, given all of this. So, okay. So the first possibility, and this seems to be the one that on hermeneutic stack exchange was the one that got the most traction. And a few number of people agreed with this and kind of got the most upvoted. And this is the argument that this is Daniel. This is that Daniel. And basically they talk about timeline wise that, so this is a little bit of spoilers, but not really. And it's basically that Daniel, you know, was a Jew, but who had been captured by King Nebuchadnezzar. And so his whole story takes place in captivity in King Nebuchadnezzar's court, essentially. Sort of like a Joseph getting captured by Pharaoh kind of a story, right? And that happened supposedly around 605 BC. And the book of Ezekiel would have been happening in like 580-something BC. So there was enough time that Daniel would have, you know, he was still youngish, but could have had a reputation by then because hmm. he had kind of made a splash right when he arrived and was interpreting dreams and all that sort of classic old school prophet stuff. So, so that's one argument. It's basically saying, yeah, this could actually be him and actually there's some evidence to suggest that. Now, something that's brought up in all of these points is the fact that Noah and Job were both not Israelites. Oh, oh, you're right. Wait, remind us what they were because... Job, well, yes, so, that makes sense. But Noah, I forgot about that. I guess he yeah. was, Israel wasn't really a thing then? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So for Noah, yeah. we don't quite know where Noah was exactly, but huh. he wasn't in Israel because it didn't exist yet. Okay. And then Job was not... He was Job was an example of someone who was not even a Jew, but who worshipped Yahweh. That's okay. kind of the accepted thing there is that Job was not, was not a Hebrew. Huh. Uh, and then... So then it's like, well, Daniel's weird then to be in that grouping then. Like, why is he here? Yeah. And they're kind of, 
people who are defending that it's that Daniel are saying, well, it's because Daniel wasn't in Israel. He was in another land. So they're all three people sort of in lands that don't worship Yahweh who are worshiping Yahweh. And like maybe that's what unites them. Interesting. And, and perhaps putting Daniel in the middle of the three is not... Because if you're saying their chronological order doesn't make sense. But if it's like he's in the middle because that's like the most important spot, maybe. So that's, that's the arguments for it being that Daniel. Uh, now, the next argument is that it's this character, Danel, who would have been a cultural figure at the time, who is actually a Canaanite figure. And that this, the knowledge of him comes from uh, basically writings that were discovered in like 1926. So not mm-hmm. even that long ago, really, you know, historically speaking here. And basically, there's this story called The Tale of Akat, which is A-Q-H-A-T. Uh, I keep wanting to make the Q into an S and call him the tale of asshat. No. But, <laughs> but the tale of Akat. Cute. Uh, so it tells the story of this man named Danel, who is childless and who offers sacrifices to his gods so that they would grant him a son. And Baal intercedes on Danel's behalf huh. and talks to El, who was sort of the chief god in the Canaanite pantheon, and convinced him to give him a son who's called Akat. And then he kind of goes on to um, get this magical bow. And there's like other mythology, but basically saying maybe it's this character because he would have been someone known at that time. He fits more chronologically older, like Noah and Job, you know, so maybe he makes more sense that then he would fit chronologically in between the time of like Noah, I guess, being more recent or less recent. I I don't quite know. So that's the argument for him. The argument against him is that if you want to make the argument of like, yeah, look, these are all sort of wise men who are not Israelites. It's like, yeah, but he also didn't worship Yahweh. And in the context of Ezekiel, that doesn't make sense that we would be saying this guy's cool. Hmm. Huh. Right? Right? If our whole thing is like idols and worship of other gods right. is so bad. Yeah. It feels it like just, that would sabotage your whole message. Yeah. So I, I've come across a lot of people being like, mm, I get why you might think it's that, but but it's not. And they also point out huh. that the spelling just they're like, just forget about forget about it. Spelling in the Bible, as we've experienced with Nebuchadnezzar and Nebuchadnezzar, it's all over the right. place. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. like it's in the ballpark. That's all that actually matters here. Right. So then the last one, and this one is uh, less widely known, but I did find an interesting research paper here on researchgate.net about identifying the Daniel character in Ezekiel. And this proposes there's actually a third Daniel who's been under our noses all along and that we've forgotten about. What? A third Daniel? (laughs) Who? Yeah, check this out. So in 1 Chronicles, okay, so we haven't read Chronicles, but we've read the story of this. Uh, King David had sons, the second oldest of which was named Daniel. Oh. And then in other verses, they're saying like, well, but that doesn't make sense because then in 2 Samuel, it lists his sons and in the second position is Chiliab, which does sound familiar to me. Really? I do not remember (laughs) Chiliab at all. It sounds delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Please remind us. And then basically, there's kind of this argument saying that actually Daniel and Chiliab are the same person. That's like a nickname or an alternate name or something. Wait, what was he in? Sorry, remind us. Who, what? In 2 Samuel? 2 Samuel, thank you. 2 Samuel is where he's called Chiliab in 1 Chronicles, which we haven't read yet, is 
Daniel. King David's Daniel, second Daniel. son, Daniel. So then, okay. if we all take a trip down memory lane to King David and all the, the S that went down with that, mm-hmm. he had all these sons, but all of them kind of got disqualified from being king after him, right? And that was because his first son like rebelled against him and his third son got killed. Absalom got killed. And then Adonijah led a rebellion that got killed by Bathsheba's people. So like right. something bad happened. But Daniel never gets mentioned huh. as, as like a potential candidate. And Chiliab too, like they're never mentioned at all. And so potential explanations are one, maybe he already died. Another is that perhaps he was never even considered to be king because he was so into his Torah studies and that he was just such a devout wise man and that that's kind of, he kind of went off you know, be a, a priest or whatever instead yeah. of being in line to be a king. So anyway, I thought this was pretty interesting that there's some hot debate and some decent yeah. options and also some problems with all the explanations all around. Wow. But I mean, sounds like the Bible, stuff. right? Yeah. 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 Fascinating. It's so interesting that so many people are working to interpret this book, that it is still like a living, breathing thing in many ways. It's cool. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Um, speaking of that, we <laughs> move on now to pillows and kerchiefs and sewing them on wrists and <laughs> elbows and things like that. <laughs> yeah, and again, I mean, in in a similar fashion, I think that a lot of people are not quite sure what to make of this passage. So just to recap, in Ezekiel 13, 18, um, and this is from, I think, uh, the NIV Woe to the women that sew pillows to all armholes and make kerchiefs upon the head of every stature to hunt souls. No, it's armholes. Yeah, no, it's that's really good. Arm, I know. This is armholes. In oh. ours, it was like the elbows. Right. So yeah, just, you know, in make of that what she will. Wow. But this is interesting. And it, and it even says here, the pillows sewed to the armholes or to the elbows. And this is from Bible Truth publishers.com. So this is their words, not mine. It says, the pillows sewed to the armholes or to the elbows, as the margin has it, are usually supposed to mean the soft cushions which are placed on oriental divans. Divans? Uh, Divans? Divans? Like chairs? Like sitting things? Maybe. I mean, I'm even thinking of perhaps just to sit upon these like pretty nice cushions or to put, you know, your your elbows mm. upon these nice cushions in order to have something there for you to place yourself, I guess. And it, this says, among the poorer classes, the skins of sheep or of goats were formerly used for pillows being stuffed with chaff or wool for this purpose. But the pillows of the wealthy were, of course, more luxurious in style and finish. And there were some soft substance covered with rich and costly materials. So that's an interesting so is it, thing. Is it about them of. like lounging being, about? Yeah, perhaps. With their kerchiefs and, and pillows under their elbows? This sounds like a stretch to me, personally. Maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, that's what this, this person is saying. And, you know, it, these commentators are supposed to mean that God stretched forth his hand to punish sin. The false prophets covered them by their heterodox teaching so that his hands would not seem to be able to grasp the rebellious offenders, Perhaps that's why they were like on the joints of the 
wrists or something there. That right. sounds like a stretch with these there. pillows here. This, all of this is a stretch. Yeah. Not that I claim that we're the the final authority on any of this. Yeah. But <laughs> so okay, that was one thing. And then also on BibleHub.com, they they have this cool thing where they do a bunch of different commentaries for each specific passage verse. in yeah. the Bible. Yeah, each verse and. And so they have a lot of things on here. Yeah, they say like pillows to all armholes. It says bands to all joints of the hand because some of the things talk about like wrists or hands or something as opposed to we talked about like magic or charm bracelets or something. Yeah, right? yeah, they talked about that. So again, I mean, just these like things in which to maybe seduce or or put your oh, your elbows thus forth so that yeah, you are in this sort of lounging state. So they're talking about against the false prophetess because they specifically mentioned women in this passage. Yeah. And so it says, as the Lord had not endowed men only with the gifts of prophecy, but sometimes women also, for example, Miriam, Deborah, and Huldah. So women rose up along with the false prophets and prophesied out of their own hearts without being impelled by the Spirit of God. So they're specifically talking, I think, in this passage about mm. these women who were these false prophets also, essentially. And yeah, and speaking about them specifically. Okay. I guess that makes some sense in context because he was talking to them about like yes. they were also sort of giving messages of there's going to be peace and everything's going to be fine. So yeah. And the kerchiefs... they're prophesying has to do with, with kerchiefs and pillows. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the kerchiefs are like <laughs> specifically about them. So these triumphal hats or caps or veils were made by these prophetesses and they were put upon the head of everyone who consulted them. And so, yeah, it's it like says by the, for visiting the prophetess. I guess maybe for buying from my Etsy shop, for buying an elbow pillow, you get one free kerchief with every purchase. <laughs> one free kerchief slash veil. Yeah. It says by these habits, the deceived inquirer was either persuaded he was made to fit to receive the oracle. He was, in, you know, there to interpret a sign or promise victory over Babylonia. Stuff okay, like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. So a lot of things talk about this specifically, but I think overall, as as many of these interpretations are, they're kind of potentially grasping at straws slash like, you know, trying to figure out exactly what's going on here. And as you said, it might be a little bit of a stretch. And the souls part, I mean, it's just like the person's life, estate, and to all to enrich or maintain themselves. So yeah, souls or souls within, you know, an embodied human or perhaps souls outside of a human after they're dead. Yeah, or maybe just taking their souls away from worshiping Yahweh mm. rather than them yep. getting good yep. point. power or currency to level up in Dark Souls with them. <laughs> there you, know, you go. It's- <laughs> yeah, ensnare these souls, seek to destroy peace and comfort, things like that. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah, it's a lot there. I know it's probably, I mean, it's... It's a lot of people making accusations against these women and these mm. elbow pillows. And they were just but, trying to run an Etsy business. Come on. Yeah. They were. It's true. That's all that they were uh, doing, uh, really. All righty. Well, what do you have, Dedeker? Do you want to hear about old architecture? One of my favorites. Always. Yeah, Is it going to be waterways? Waterways, exactly. <laughs> no. I was like, waterways and old architecture. Give it to it's us, It's going to be about waddling. Oh. Waddle and daubing. Okay. 
you heard of that? The wow. Wa- the good old waddle and dob. I mean, that definitely needs to be a dance that we make. Yeah, yeah. Along with the dob the and slap. And the waddle and dob. Yes. Waddle okay. and dob. I'm just, I'm picturing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm imagining yeah. kind of like, you know, like, watch me whip. Oh yeah, watch me uh-huh. nay It's like yeah, that. Yeah. It's gonna be that kind of a song watch where you're dub, kind of just saying, dub, "Watch me waddle." Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Watch me dub yeah. and slap. You know, great that kind of thing. Okay. Wow. It's a jam. Wow. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I cool. went down this rabbit hole because of looking up whitewashing. Uh, you know, like the literal painting technique right. of whitewashing. Okay. But before I can describe whitewashing, I have to go back to waddle and dobbing naturally, as okay. everyone knows. Okay. Everyone knows. Well, okay. Did you have a question, Jace? It's just, okay, I don't even know what, what whitewashing, like how is it different from painting? Because my mm-hmm. only experience mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. with the term whitewashing, as far as like painting something or making it white, was from the Tom Sawyer video game for the Apple IIe, Whoa, which is like what? a text-based what? adventure game. Kind of like the old King's Quest games where you're kind of like moving Gracious. a character around, but you have to like type to do stuff. Right, there like was this a, Tom Sawyer game and there was they were whitewashing a fence at the beginning and I didn't understand quite what that meant except I saw the picture that looked like painting a fence and I've never known anything more than that so okay so that's your, tell me. the whitewashing is your cultural touch point yes or Tom Sawyer <laughs> is your cultural old, touch old point to, to whitewashing floppy disk PC game yes how funny that's really interesting well we will get to that a, a little bit I suppose but but I'm bringing you back to waddle and daub is a building method that's been used for many, many, many thousands of years by human beings. You know, it goes all the way back to like Neolithic. And mm. it's essentially the process of, I'm going to take some sticks or some straw maybe huh. and some reeds and weave them together. Okay. And then I'm going to take a mixture of mud, clay, poop, mm-hmm. straw, wow. and mix wow. that all together and kind of like slap that on to the woven structure. And that's what I'm going to build my house out of. Okay. So kind of this idea of the weaving, the woven reeds or wood or sticks or whatever it is underneath provides our skeleton, our frame to put this mud, clay-ish mixture on, which is going to dry and harden. Oh, I see. Yes. I see. So you kind of make the scaffolding out of this other stuff and then you kind of like drywall it with this. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like a very, very early drywall. Okay. I would say. Yeah. Or maybe plaster would be a better analogy. Yeah. So this technique goes back at least 6,000 years. Wow. There's still many parts of the world that use this particular construction technique. And it's also coming full circle where developed areas are wanting to use this again because it's now a more sustainable building technique. It's a sustainable building material. Now, what might be the problems, though, with a good old waddle and daub house? If your house is made out of, like, mud and sticks, what's going to happen? A big big bad wolf. wolf. wolf, Definitely. Obviously, yeah. For sure. I'm sorry. Is Just to clarify real quick, is so the waddle is the sticks and reeds and the daub is the, the plaster. Is the the mud and poop? Yes. Okay. So the waddle and dab. Okay. Got the it. Waddle and dab. Yes. Okay. You got it. But what's the problem with that? Other than big bad wolves coming to blow it, it down? It burns down. It's flammable. It's you know yeah flammable. Probably not as flammable as just a straight up house of sticks. But uh, mud and sticks. I mean, I it, what about yeah. rain and water? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Rain erosion. There you go. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Mm. For sure, Z's. Yeah. For sure, Z's. Now this is where whitewash comes in. So. Whitewash is made out of lime or uh, calcium carbonate as well, or like chalk, 
essentially. Okay. And there's a process by which, you know, as we go through history, it, I mean, I'm so sorry, historians out there listening, this is going to be me just <laughs> really simplifying the history. Don't at me, please. Of first, we're just kind of taking this like chalk calcium carbonate and mixing it with water and then using that, slapping that on the outside of our waddle and daub to make it look nice initially to kind of clean it up. And, uh, okay, yeah. It has, make it, so it doesn't look all like poop. It looks like doesn't white, look like poop. Nice it looks like chalk. white and it's nice. Okay. You know, yeah. um, it does come like the lime comes with some natural antibacterial properties as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. so sometimes we find it being used on the interiors as well, like particularly with dairies as we're moving further into the future, you know, again, uh-huh. because it's slightly antibacterial. But anyway, mm-hmm. we develop processes where first, like we bake the lime in a kiln and then we mix it into water and then it goes through a different chemical process. You know, we've been experimenting with this lime thing for quite a while. Uh, I this lime thing, amazing. This whole whitewashing thing. You know, this is lime like limestone and not like... Yes, with the lime not like a coconut. delicious... Not like a lime okay. in a coconut. No, no, like okay. limestone. Okay. Yes. Got it. Yes. And so if you think about like a, what would we call it? Like a Tudor-style cottage, mm. you know, where how it's usually like a series of squares of like geometric shapes. Uh, okay. That's based yeah. on like the the waddling, you know? So we'd weave it into this square and then we have to put it in this frame that supports it. And then we put on the daubing and then we paint it white on the outside. Okay. I see. So we've okay. also got a house frame. Okay, that makes more sense because I wasn't sure yes. how this was going to stay up. Okay, so you've kind of filled in between your frame with the waddling and then your yes. daubing. Yes. Frame waddle dub. Got it. And then we whitewash, whitewash. it. And then whitewash. Okay. <laughs> now, here's the problem is just mixing the lime with the water and then painting that on, it's still not great because you touch it and it like rubs off in your clothing. Over time, the rain also washes that away mm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so, yes. And so then we start mixing in animal fat. And what the animal fat does is it makes it a waterproof coating for your building Yuck. that helps protect yeah. that okay. mud and sticks and straw from being just battered by the rain and eventually uh, eroding over time. Okay. Yes. Emily's so upset. Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. What, a, what other option did they have, Emily? I don't know, Dedeker. I mean, I guess like factory farming wasn't a thing back then, so. That's true too. Factory farming wasn't a thing and it's also better than just taking this animal fat and I'm going to throw it in the garbage and do nothing with it. No, I mean, I hear you. It was a very different thing back then because people Mm -hmm. were, you know, just existing on this plane with other animals. They were animals fighting against other animals. And, you know, it was very different than now where we are these supreme beings that are choosing to annihilate another race Mm. of animals. Yes, that is correct. Yes. Species, rather. Yes. Yes. Also, also, as as we clarified in this chapter, sometimes the animals take back over. That's true. Like Yahweh was saying. You know what? That's true. And that's fine. Animals are going to come chase y'all out. It's fine, <laughs> you know, by all means. Indeed. But fascinating. Now, wow. Again, whitewashing has been a thing that's happened for so, so long. And another interesting thing to think about, and again, this is fast forwarding way beyond where we're at in history, you know, in the book of Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most medieval castles would have been whitewashed as well. Um, and sometimes even also plastered and then whitewashed. Mm-hmm. So as in a lot of the medieval Whoa. castles that we see with the bare stone, that's not how it would have actually looked. Wouldn't have been bare stone. Whoa. Mm-hmm. During cool. the day 
or in in the time that it was. Because whitewashing was also became to be like a symbol of wealth if you could afford to whitewash your entire castle. That makes sense. You're probably doing okay. Yeah, because you had to ship in all this limestone and hire people. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. All the limestone, get people, you know, all that stuff. Um, It's amazing. Like all this wealth, like choosing to show off all this wealth was even a thing back then. Oh, yeah. That was... Old as dirt. Yeah, some things are universal. <laughs> they even talked about it in the in the pillows, you know? Yeah. Right. Old as dirt. Pillow time. Yeah. yeah. But there's also, and again, this is now just going down the rabbit hole of just fun trivia, that some medieval castles were also plastered on the outside because that would help with insulation, you know, that would help with temperature control, that would help with moisture control to a certain extent. Like the plaster would serve as something that would slowly absorb rain rather than the rain being dumped directly on your your bricks or stone and mortar. Mm-hmm. And so that also helps protect okay. the castle. So so it's kind of like the thing that we run into with Greek and Roman statues, where in our minds, we think of them as like this beautiful, white, perfect. But in the reality, they were probably painted mm-hmm. and very colorful. And it's just now we only see them after the paint is worn off. And so we assume that's how they must have looked back in the day. And it's the same with a lot of medieval castles. Not every medieval castle or home but often they probably didn't look like the traditional like stony fortress that we're mm-hmm. used to seeing. It may have been a much more smooth exterior. Wow. And very white also. Wow. White yeah. Blinding, blindingly yes. white castles. <laughs> and now Gosh. you know. What an academic episode this was. Right? Did. right? Yeah. The more you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> Wow. Oh, okay. And then and then to bring it back to Tom Sawyer. How can I bring it back to Tom Sawyer? Oh, I, I don't know. Basically, it, it is this funny thing where I think for much of history, whitewashing is seen as a little bit of a luxurious thing, the fact that you can afford to do it. But then by the time we get to the colonial era, particularly in the States, whitewashing is seen as only a poor person thing. Because by that point, we have better paints. Huh for exteriors of houses that don't wash away, that don't rub off, that harden and stay there. And so whitewashing was seen as something that you could cook up at home because you're poor. I see. You just rub together some chalk and and some poop. And you... Or wait, no, sorry. The poop's on the inside. Some (laughs) chalk and some whatever other liquids and then you just kind Uh of do it. I see. Fascinating. Okay, so... Yeah, wow. So a thing that was this sign of wealth at one time by Tom Sawyer's time was more identifying like, look, he's poor and lives with poor people and does poor things. Mm. And, they, and they can only afford whitewash right. instead of paint. Wow. Yeah. This is wild. Yeah. And of course, now I just Googled it and I'm seeing all sorts of guides on like bobvila.com about how to whitewash your fence. So it's come back around to being a fancy... Oh yeah. yeah. And then of course, now it has come back around to being part of this whole shabby chic Yep. Yep. Thing. Exactly. Gosh. Yeah, of course. What a world. Wow. Indeed. Beautiful. <gasps> well... Thanks, everyone. As always, this is a fun time getting to learn more about what the heck is going on in this here bibble because really, I, we don't know. We don't know any better than you do. We're just trying to <laughs> ascertain what's occurring here. So thanks for going on this journey with us and we will see you next week for even more Ezekiel. <laughs>